What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project podcast. I am your host, Eric Antonson. This is the Foiling Series, episode 11. Uh, These have been a lot of fun to do, and I am stoked that uh, you guys are enjoying them. I'm going to get back into doing some of the other episodes more focused on learning um, and flow. I've got a couple ideas for that, but I'm going to continue with the Foiling Series because it's been a lot of fun. I'm learning a ton, and feedback has been awesome, so thank you guys. I'm recording this right now from my truck in Athens, Georgia, sitting out front of my mom's house because we're running away from Hurricane Dorian, um, watching those images out of the Bahamas and just heartbroken. Um, spent a lot of time in the Bahamas when I was a kid and especially on the Abaco, in the Abacos. Um, and, uh, it's just really sad to see all that. So, uh, my brother actually has started a hurricane relief page, um, GoFundMe. They're going to try to run some supplies. He lives in South Florida um, over when they can uh, from a friend's boat. Um, I'll link to that in my Instagram page. But um, yeah, it's just it's just terrible. So um, thoughts and prayers are with everyone in the Bahamas right now. And uh, we're just ready for this storm to get out of here, man. This has been a, you know, we got really lucky. It stayed off the coast of Florida. So we're stoked on that. Um, Paul? Burnett from the Lost Boys Foil Club uh, is kind of the team leader, I think, of the Lost Boys Foil Club, from what I gather. Um, if you're not familiar with the Lost Boys Foil Club, you should be if you're listening to the show because James Casey's a member, uh, Tom Carroll's a member. Um, their Instagram page is amazing. Stuff they're doing over in Australia is insane. Uh, Paul was a world tour surfer, was on the tour in 1985. He is now a coach, a surf coach, and a, uh, I believe it's a math teacher uh, for high school in Australia. And foilings at another level, tow games off the charts. Uh, this conversation, we actually break down towing best practices, gotten a lot of requests about doing that, and we did it. Uh, they use a little different technique than, than we use, so this was a great one for me because I learned a lot uh, during the show. Excited to get back out there and try it when we get some surf. So um, enjoy the conversation with Paul. Hit me up if you guys have any requests for guests, uh, things you want me to explore. I'm excited to do it. These are fun to do still, so I'll keep doing them as long as they're fun. And I'm excited to be uh, testing some new gear here in the next little bit too, so we'll be reporting on that. We'll have a couple of designers on the show lining all that up. So this is awesome. Uh, you guys be safe, have fun, and uh, see you soon. All right, Paul, man, thank you for uh, coming on the show. I know it's late over there. How you doing, man? I'm good, Eric. Uh, yeah, it is pretty late, but uh, excited about doing the uh, the podcast. We've been talking about this for a while, so it's it's good to uh, to have you on. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. I was, I was uh, shocked when you did, actually, but because, uh, uh, well, especially I've been listening to all your, your foil ones and a few of your older ones as well, and I'm, I'm honored to be in such company. <laughs> Well, thanks, dude. Um, so you're a member of the Lost Boy Foil Club. That includes James Casey, uh, Tom Carroll. Why don't you start by telling us how uh, how that all came together, and then we'll backtrack a little bit into um, just how you started in foiling and, and your background in surfing. Okay. Uh, well, the Lost Boys Foil Club literally just started because uh, a group of us were uh, – 
were um, toe foiling. Uh, we all come from, or not all of us, um, but uh, uh, the majority of the Lost Boys come from a toe surfing background. Um, where we go to um, foiling is also has some good uh, big wave spots around the, the reefs of that location. And so we all came from that background and we all just started, uh, well, when we get back to the story about how we started foiling, but we all basically started at the same time. And as you've experienced the froth and, and um, just sheer uh, stoke that you get from foiling was uh, quite uh, contagious amongst us. And we just said, we, we were looking at what uh, the West Coast Foil Club boys were doing and we were amping on on uh, what the Hurley boys were doing. And, and uh, we said, oh, yeah, we should form a club. And somebody said, yeah, Lost Boys, the Lost Boys, yeah, never grow up. And I said, yeah, good name. So, yeah, came from there. Um, how much fun are you having? When's the last time that you had this much fun? Oh, I, I literally can't, can't remember. The, the, the stoke from foiling is just absolutely phenomenal. Why is that? Why do you think foiling is so addictive? I mean, because I am as addicted as I've ever been. Like, I'm happy that foiling is pretty good for you because if this was something that was bad for you, like, it would have ruined my life. I mean, it's like, <laughs> why is it so addictive? Um, well, for me, uh, like, I'm 55, so I'm an old bastard. And uh, a long, long time ago, 1985, I was on the surfing tour. Um coming up against the likes of Tom Carroll and Barton Lynch and Martin Potter and so on and so forth. And uh, as you get older, your ability gets less and you've got to uh, be happy with a toned-down version of what you once were. Uh, but the great thing about foiling is that even in your older age, you can do well with it. But for me, it's probably been, I don't know, 15, 20 years since I've done what I would consider a, a really, really good turn in surfing. But in foiling, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm, I'm, I'm back to being a grommet when I was challenging myself to do the best, you know, my best turn. And so each session I feel like, yeah, that was um, like the whole thing about best ever which anybody who's looked at any of our videos we carry on with, but it's literally, it's literally best ever. You know, it's, it's better than the last time. And, and, and so each time uh, we get out there might not be the best ever conditions, but it's best ever. It's uh, you're just amped and it's just, just absolutely phenomenal. I, I couldn't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> more. <laughs> You know, you just touched on something there that I spend a lot of time thinking about. I, I tend to think about the, so basically I've been what I would consider a flow junkie. I didn't know it at the time since I was about 13 years old. 13 years old is when I kind of found skateboarding. Um, and then since that point in my life, it, you know, that the, the, those, those sports have guided a large portion of my big life decisions. Um, and the... I think what happens to a lot of folks, and so if you look at Kotler's research, you know, flow as a state and uh, what he calls like flow, I, I think he calls them flow multipliers. That's what I refer to them as. Um, as you get better at something, hitting those states, this touches on 
you know, the best ever. As, as you get better, hitting those states becomes harder and harder. And so I think what you see sometimes is you see people who get locked into one discipline and then they continue to want to hit those states. So the consequence continues to get higher and higher and higher. So if you look at like Alex Honnold, um, free soloing uh, El Capitan, or if you look at guys flying in wingsuits. That free soloing stuff is just ridiculous, isn't it? It's crazy. And, and, you know, something that I argue for is, I mean, maybe if you're a professional athlete in one of these disciplines, you know, maybe it's worth pursuing that amount of consequence. But I don't think that people understand sometimes that they can switch to another sport and reset that bar down low, really reset that level of consequence, and then have just as much, if not more fun, and you're doing it at a, at a much lower level of, uh, of danger risk to yourself. Um, it's just what you said, the best ever thing there that made me think about that point, which is something that I've wanted to explore a lot more on the show. I probably will in the future. Does that sound um, at all like relevant to, to your experience? Oh, absolutely. And as I said, the going back to being a grommet again in my 50s and having that challenge of like I find that the – the um, uh, foiling has a very steep learning curve, but it's relatively short as far as going from, like I know that you started uh, months ago, right. correct me if I'm wrong, yep. um, yet, you know, you're getting three for four and five fours, um, and, 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 you know, when I'm watching your videos, you, you're doing, you know, super well. I only started in October last year, um, and so... Um, the learning curve is really steep, but but rather short. Right. Um, I think I think that's or, if we're coming or, or, from sorry. a. Oh, sorry to interrupt. Sorry? I think that's if we're coming from a surfing board sport background. I think it would be that's a very different that's, story that's, if if you're not coming from a surfing board sport background. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, you you get that uh, concentrated learning curve, um, and and because it's so so steep and obviously therefore challenging, but at the same time so quick, you're just advancing quickly and especially, let's face it, when you're behind a ski and you can, like, you're whipping into a wave every couple of minutes rather than having to paddle, you know, at the beginning stages, paddle back out and, and all that sort of stuff, you're, you're really shortening that uh that learning curve again and you're able to just we had a session the other day and i don't have the surf watch but matt one of the other guys matty granger um he's got the surf watch and in in something like an hour and a half we had 60 ways between three of us and and so (laughs) the stoke levels are just going through the roof and you know we're just on it the whole time it's just phenomenal yeah um i've got a buddy who rides the e-foils in surf and he he's become addicted to the fact that he's going out there and he's basically self-towing so he he'll, he'll tow you know e-foil into a wave cut the power and then surf the wave and he's literally getting 50 to 100 waves in a session um yeah i mean you can argue whether or not you want to surf a board that's that heavy in the surf it scares me um, you know, having a 40 pound board when you wipe out, but you cannot argue with the fact that he's having more fun than anybody I've ever met, <laughs> you know, getting 50 to a hundred <laughs> waves, uh, by himself well, on these reef breaks. 
I, I think the, the, the jet ski has the best of both worlds, I think. I, I don't know. I haven't ridden an e foil. Um, and from what I've seen and what I've been speaking, a couple of guys around uh, our area use them. And for, from my conversations with them, um, even with the, uh, the propeller that um, concertina's down, there still seems to me to be too much, too much drag for their actual ride on a wave to be as exciting as what I feel that we're getting from, you know, from a normal foil rather than having the the e foil there. But obviously, yeah, the e foil is going to get you out there nice and quickly. Yeah, I would agree with that, and that's the conversation that we have a whole lot. I feel like, I mean, I keep going smaller and lighter, especially for my toe setup. I just feel yeah. like it melts well, away to where you're, you're riding. I mean, it almost feels like you're like a superhero just flying on water when you get down to a board that you no longer see. Yeah. Um, what what size uh, foil board are you, uh, toe foil board are you using? Uh, four, three right now. Okay, yeah, mine's three, eight. Oh, it's insane. Which what and, board are you yeah. riding? Is it a Sonova? Are you with the James Gates? No, no. Um, no, uh, local, local shaper here, um, uh, Bowman Shapes. Uh, uh, Bowie Bowie makes uh, our, all our toe foil boards. He he eschews epoxy, so uh, he doesn't make the uh, <laughs> the paddle foil boards. But he's uh, he's the gun at making the the toe foil boards around our parts. So, so he uses poly. Uh yeah. Which um, is stronger? I feel like um, I know some people would well, argue that fact, but yeah. I, the I, other thing, the other thing that I find. With the epoxy boards, you know, if you get a crack in those things, you've got to go in straight away. And when you've got a jet ski around, you're hitting that thing. I don't care how good you are or what you're doing. It's going to hit you, your board at some stage and fairly regularly, and you're going to get cracks and dings, and you don't want to have to worry about having to go in super quickly. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what foil are you riding? Talk, talk through uh, maybe the gear that all you guys are riding and uh, what you like, okay. what you don't like, all, the, all that. Sure. Um, uh, the majority of us are riding Axis. Okay. Uh, uh, we started off, uh, I started off along with my tow partner uh, on a, um, a slingshot, uh, the Infinity 76 we were using. Okay. And, uh, yeah, and then we had the opportunity, a local, um, a local shop, Balmoral, stand-up paddle boards um uh, sort of well okay I'll, I'll wind it back a bit um we were just learning in fact i'll wind it back a fair way i'll tell you how we started off um about two and a half years ago my tow partner came to me and said oh we've got to get into this foiling stuff and i said oh yeah okay now let's do it and so we went down to the local um uh, uh, uh windsurfing shop and they had some foils in there, and my tow partner knew the guy in there, and he um, allowed us or said, yeah, no worries, take this um, kite foil that was a Peter Cabrina board, um, and it was literally a piece of plywood um, over the foil, and it was a kite foil and super small. And from memory, I even think it could have had a bigger back wing than front wing, but it was – it was certainly not what you know we're riding these days and uh anyway we went out there and we just did everything wrong there was no videos at, at the time of how to do it and we were just 
we were going the same sort of speed or faster than we do when we um, when we get up on a tow board rather than 15 and we were just nearly killing ourselves and then and and because it was a plywood board it wasn't working and we weren't getting up and anyway my mate saw one of Mr Von Pyro's videos when they strapped the um the sup board on top yep. of the uh, <laughs> and and so we did the same thing but with a um uh, a foamy um like an 8 foot foam board and but still we were just nearly killing ourselves and <laughs> i just went yeah no nah, that's it not doing that again because i literally nearly took my head off <laughs> and um so two years later it was it wasn't until two years later i had gone away and i'd come back and my, my tow partner had said oh i've just um the josh from slingshot had a um had a day at the local board riders club where he came down and you know was just doing a demo thing and everybody who wanted to have a go he took out and my mate went out and he loved it and so he said we got to do it we got to do it and so um he hooked himself up my friend hooked himself up with josh from slingshot and we managed to get the 76 and an 84 and a what's that weird ass board that they do the um uh, uh the glide. oh i don't know no no the, Hover glide or something. It was the one that they had. They had a photo of uh, Kai Lenny on it at the time. I think for a little while, might have been two weeks. Kai was sponsored by Slingshot, and he and he was riding this board anyway. Um, and we got one of those. We got the whole kit, and, and it was going all right. And then, uh, and then about three months, uh, and then well, he got taught by Josh the basics on speed and all that sort of stuff. Cause like I said, the first time around we were just going so fast and uh, nearly killed ourselves. So we toned it back to 15 Ks an hour rather than 30 Ks. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, it was a little bit safer. So we, uh, he got it a lot quicker than my, he being my tow partner got it a lot quicker. Leon uh, got it a, a, a lot quicker than I did uh, at first. And, uh, it's funny, and I've been hearing you talk about learning and teaching and all that sort of stuff, and um, I've done a bunch of uh, teaching surfing over the past 20-odd years, 30 years, whatever it's been, But uh, and I find that snowboarders are interesting people to teach to surf because they'll either be the best student you've ever had or the worst student you've ever had because they either bring their – their their knowledge their basic knowledge of the sport and can adapt it to surfing or they bring what they've got and that's what they've got and that's what they've got to bring and they don't adapt and uh i didn't adapt as well as my friend did as far as speed um i, I was too heavily back foot and and was having a, a bit of trouble at the beginning and but that sort of lasted two or three weeks because as I said, you know, once you once you're doing it behind the behind a boat to start with or a ski, uh, it just allows you that time on the foil to just you know once you do get up to just get that feeling, get that muscle memory, um, and you know just learn what you need to be doing to stay up and turn and get that feeling, and then once you do that, and then pull under a few waves and away you go. It's beautiful. Yeah, you know what would be fun to do on this show, and I've done limited towing. You know, I've been doing it behind my 
rib, but maybe if you could give us a kind of a, a cheat sheet on best practices in towing. I have some people that actually have been, been asking me that for, uh, recently. Um, maybe that would be fun to do, you know, your, your setups, yeah. how you're approaching waves, um, all that, what you're looking for. Yeah. Why don't we just talk uh, about towing for a little while? Okay. Well, certainly, um, there's, there is certainly a lot to learn. And, and like I said, for us, we were lucky in that we've been toe surfing for, you know, near on 20 years. So to actually then just turn that into foiling it, uh, uh, that, that was an easy step. Um, one of the things that's beautiful about foiling, toe foiling as, as opposed to toe surfing, when you first go toe surfing, and I don't know if you've ever toe surfed, but when you first go toe surf, you think, oh, you've got this ski and you're going to be able to whip into these waves and you're going to be able to get pulled in and from 20 or 30 metres away from the wave, you'll, you know, you'll whip off the, or you'll get off the whip and you'll head towards the wave and whack some big turn. Um, and that's just not, that just doesn't happen. Um, and so it's a real disappointment when you start toe surfing that, that you can't do that. And all of a sudden when you toe foil, you can do that. You can just get whipped in away from a hundred meters away and just boom. But, um, okay. Um, okay. We'll go into a few things. First of all, it depends on whether you're goofy or natural. Um, but the easiest thing to do is to stay on the uh let's say the forehand towards the wake uh so your toe rail is towards the wake so a good foot is on the right hand side natural foot is on the left hand side um the second thing is uh and something that uh is not uh maybe as readily um oh no I'll, i'll take a step back so the first thing you do is when you Rather than doing a wake takeoff where you've got this, um, you know, the board at a right angle, just stand on your board. Um, With it underwater. Nose, nose facing forward. So it's a deep water takeoff. Yeah. If you've got any sort of small board, um, most guys will be able to, um, the more buoyant the board, the, the, the more problem actually, um, as far as, you know, a deep water takeoff because you've got to struggle to overcome the buoyancy. Um, my board's only 23 litres, so I can just stand on it. Like, I'm 110 kilos. Um, so for you guys, that's uh, 220 and 22, about 250 pounds. Um, uh, and so I can just I can just stand on my board, and it's not even pushing back at me enough to make me have to work to stand on it. Um, and so, but... Either way, like Tom's board is uh, four foot four. He's got a freedom foil um, freedom foil board. It's four foot four. I'm not sure the literage of it, but when I tow Tom, he um, the board ha- is half out of the water. Like he's nearly half standing out of the water before I tow him. So I don't actually need to to pull him very hard to get him up and out of the water at all. But either way, you're gonna you're gonna be standing on your board um, with it submerged or semi submerged facing forward and then depending on um, how how uh, the um, uh, the difference between well how buoyant the uh, board is in relation to the person will depend on how fast you will need to pick him up but 
an important point for the driver is that depending on the buoyancy of the board will depend on the speed at which you need to go, but it's going to be somewhere between uh, 10 to start off with. You're going to um, need to be going about 15 k's, which is going to be about, uh, say, let's say 10 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, so it's not super fast. Uh, it's fairly slow. But the important thing is to, for the for the um, tow rider, I mean the, the driver of the ski, um, to turn in the direction of the person that they're towing. And the reason you do that, when I say turn, it's only a gradual turn, uh, but the reason you do that is that because it then allows the person to take off into clear water um, rather than to be taking off in the wake, which, as we know, any sort of wake causes uh, turbulence and any sort of turbulence creates um, uneven amount of lift. And so for anybody who's learning and uh uh, it's it's more difficult to obviously take off in the wake than in clear water. That's so interesting. If the person, I, I so didn't if the know person, that. That's cool. Yeah, if the person's driving, if you've got a goofy footer on, you turn to your right. If you've got a natural footer on, you turn to the left, and that will just drag them up and out into clear water and give them as best chances possible of, of getting up. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is if you've got to learn a if you've got a learner on the back, you're going to want to have a, them on a board that enables them to um, get up and get up onto the uh, the board rather than get up and onto the foil. Like with my three eight foil, uh, with my three eight board, um, I've pretty much got to come up and come up onto foil, not onto board. Um, so if you're going to have a board that small. You've got to have the skill sets to be able to do that. Um, whereas most guys, obviously, as they're learning, are going to want to come up, have a little bit of time on the board before they then pop it up and out. Um, so if you've got a learner on the back, you're going to want them on a board that's big enough to be able to get them onto um, the board and onto the plane on a board, on, on the actual board rather than the foil. Uh, and then you'll tow them along for a while. And then uh, I had a group literally on the weekend where I was teaching them. And basically what I what I tell them is that I'm not going to – I could drag you up and drag you out of the water, but I'm not going to. I'm going to get you up onto the board, um, and it's going to be up to you to get the board onto the foil because for me to drag you up onto the foil, I've got to be going faster than I want you to be going because right. that's going to put you in danger. So I'm going to get you up onto the board um, so that you're planing along on the board, and for you then to get up on the foil, you're going to basically ollie it. And so anybody who's skateboard skateboarded, they understand the concept of, uh, of doing that, and, uh, and if they haven't, I explain the concept, basically that uh, you don't want to lean back when you're foiling, but you put your put weight on your you move your hips back onto your back foot push forward and then as soon as the board starts to to rise up out of the water all your weight goes forward onto the front foot to bring the board into a horizontal plane while you while you're flying and uh so that's the way 
the, the basics of how I teach um, the learning guys. But uh, in answer to your question, as far as what we do uh, for when we're towing, um, yeah, we we still make sure that we turn in the direction of whichever way um, uh, we're we're standing. Um, turn towards that guy so he gets into free water. Then once you're up, you're, you're going. And then, again, as you're learning uh, the skills of towing and pulling into waves, it's best to whip the guy in a forehand turn. When you're first learning to be towing behind the boat and especially to be towing into waves, um, the backhand or heel turn seems to be really difficult. So for the first, literally for the first three months or something, we would only tow each other in on our forehand. Really? Uh, so, on our toe side. So you were releasing off off the ski, if you're a regular foot, on the right side of the ski into waves? Okay, so a regular, foot, a regular yep. foot, we would have... Um, okay, so you, you would release position. We, we would position ourselves. If we were, didn't matter if we're surfing a left or a right, but we would position ourselves to um, to the the left. Okay, and all right. If right. you're looking out to sea, we would put, position ourselves to the left of the peak. Yep. And then, um, as we would as we were driving out, we would then um, uh, for a natural footer, we would turn to the right. And whip the guy into the wave, on and it heel. wouldn't matter whether he was then going to go left or he would then turn and come back and come right and come back towards you. But but that was the easiest way um, for the guy to to get up to speed and to get to where he wanted to be without, like I say, the heel side um, initially is more difficult, um, let, and let me, so we found let, it. Let me clarify for for a minute here. Just you, you can tell me if I'm thinking about the visualizing this correctly. When you say the toe side and the heel side, you're referring still to which side the wake is on when you're riding. Uh, no, I'm just talking about um, toe side as far as um, your toe side on your board. So if you're if if you're thinking surfing, your forehand turn yep. rather than backhand turn, um, a heel turn. So. Right. So as a natural footer, you're on the left-hand side of the ski. Yep. You're heading out to sea. We're going to have the wave on the on our right, and and then we're going to swing to the right, and then uh, the the natural footer will be coming out on the whip, and we'll be able to come round and uh, with his um, on, on his toe side turn and come in and get the wave. Um, and it's important for the ski to then. Uh, do a complete 180 and just get out of the way because you don't want to put any wake anywhere near, um, you know, the guy, so uh, especially at the beginning. So your experience is that people enjoy towing, like making a, a tow side turn into the wave more. From from what we've well, been doing, everybody's feeling more comfortable with a heel side turn. And maybe that's because of how we're having to set up. We're not on a ski, we're on a small motor but uh people you know me my son a, a couple of the guys that i tow with they've all enjoyed like cutting out on their heels and then doing like a like a front side if you're surfing like a front side top turn into the wave 
and then banking, okay. banking in. We mustn't be talking the same thing because it's a front side top turn that I'm talking about. Okay, okay. When you keep saying a toe side turn into the wave, it's making me think the opposite. Um, so, so okay. Let, to, to try and make this clear, Sorry. You're, going, <laughs> you're going out to sea. Yep. And, and on your right-hand side is the wave. The natural footer is on the left-hand side of the ski, and I'm going. If I'm the driver, I'm going to make uh, uh, make a turn to my right. Yep. And the natural footer comes off to the is, left. Is is off to the left, and he's going to be coming around the ski, and go out to sea to meet the wave. And so he's a natural footer. When he eventually gets to where the wave is, he will do um, a turn facing down the wave with his with his toe side. You know, so he's doing a top turn um, uh, into the wave. Inside top. The... So, yeah, we're doing this opposite. And, and maybe that's just because I don't have a, a towing background. The way that we do it normally is we'll run the boat um, behind where the surf zone is. So we, we surf, we, we tow it like a shoal setup. Um, yeah. And we'll run the boat back and forth about 30 meters out past where the waves are breaking yeah. kind of kind of back and forth and we don't have instant power with with our boat you have to it takes a second to get people up but once yeah. you're up it's fine so we'll just basically run back and forth until you know the the surfer sees the wave they want and then they'll whip into the wave basically the boat will continue to go straight um yeah. which is parallel to the way the wave's coming in and then yeah. right as the surfer's coming off the boat turns a little bit away and the rider, you know, whips yeah, yeah. out into the wave. So basically, we're going, like if it's a right, a lot of times we'll backdoor that peak already going the same direction as the wave by, you know, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe 50 100%. meters. Um, and in that case scenario, everybody is preferring, and maybe it's because you can see the wave better. So if you're on the left side of the boat, your regular foot, you're on the left side of the boat, toes to the wake, so you're on the outside, and yep. you're whipping out on your heels, it's you can see the wave, you can see everything. And if you're yep. coming the other way, you're leaning against the boat on maybe that's the difference, is because when we're on the other side, we're leaning against the boat, and you can't see the wave as well. And then that turnout is a little bit harder. My son just started getting those um turns, which is open because because of the way we go back and forth, if you're not comfortable coming off of the uh, basically your 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 toes into the wave, then you, you're, you know, it's, you miss half the waves because you don't want to, you don't want to jump, you know, let go yeah. halfway. Yeah. Um, no, we, we do that as well. I was actually talking about, um, by doing it the way I was talking about, it gives you the opportunity to get a wave while you're coming back out. Yep. Okay. So when you're coming back out, if you do it the way I was talking about and swing a, natural footer in to with a right hand turn that allows them to do the forehand you know um uh forehand turn into the wave i mean if we pull up my insta right there's the, the you know lost boys foil club insta you'd be able to see um whether it be there's there's one particular reef where we do it a lot where we just We'll we'll pull in a hundred meters away from the wave and literally just be coming at it 
and uh, in the videos I'm talking about, there's three of us at Goofy Footers and we're pulling into a left-hander and we just get whipped down to it from 50 yards away. Uh, and then we do a, a forehand turn down into the wave. Right. Um, whereas um, you're talking about coming around the back of the wave and then bringing, bringing the guy back in that way. Come, yeah, um, coming over the top of the wave almost yeah. into it. What we yep. find, though, we prefer to get whipped in because you've got more speed. Yep, that makes uh, sense. And because you've got the, the extra speed from the whip and you get that that turn, that initial turn, you know, like like what you would, um, uh, you know, if you did get whipped in toe surfing, you get that initial turn where, well, toe surfing you'd whack it off the phone but <laughs> where as you know well I, i'm still at the stage where i'm not hitting the phone mr bennett <laughs> yeah. mr. Bennett's doing a sterling job at hitting the phone that scares me man every once in a while i'll get excited and i'll, I'll try that and I, I usually decide it's a bad idea shortly thereafter yeah yeah what he's doing off the phone is absolutely unbelievable yeah it's insane. Um, yeah but uh uh so so that whip gives us the extra speed, but but as we as we've gotten better, um, yeah, these days we can we do it any way, which way we are as far as where where we find ourselves on the wave. But I just think uh, for those learning and starting, whipping somebody into a wave if you're going out um, gives them the opportunity to to um, get a little bit of extra speed. What you were talking about coming in from behind the section um, is also a good way. Um, and But uh, sometimes it's hard to get, when you're doing it that way, depending on the waves that you've got and the, the reef or whatever it is that you've got going, um, you can get boat wake and get the, 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 um, uh, the ski or boat, whatever it is that you're pulling in with. Uh, can get in, in in amongst what you're wanting to do. So, um, smooth sailing on the wave. Hold on one second. I'm getting an air oh. is not keeping up with writing the audio. Just let me um let me pause our recording here real quick. This is a good time. Something just kind of messed up. I don't want to. All right. Uh, we just had a little recording issue, but we're back now. Um, I uh when we were in Costa Rica for the last, last trip, um, we were towing behind a boat that was like basically a fishing boat and the guy didn't want to get anywhere close to the waves. And so what I was having him do was essentially what you're saying without the turn for the whip, but he would run a little bit faster than you'd normally feel comfortable with hundred meters away from where the surf was. And I'd whip off as I'd say, he'd run from shore out, you know, towards the waves. So you could see, I like that because then you're the one who gets to pick your wave. Yeah. Um, and so I just wait for the wave that I'd want and I'd whip out and I'd be able to pump, I don't know, five, 10 seconds to hit. And then I was doing, you know, turns into the wave. That was, that was a really fun session. The only problem was the wing I was riding was a little bit too big and it was the biggest stuff that I had towed. So then once you make that turn and you're making that drop, there were some scary moments. Um, what size wings are you all riding? You guys foil some pretty big waves. What size wings are you all on? Well, funny you should say that. We, we've just been having conversations with Adrian from Axis um, about the fact that we need a smaller wing. <laughs> um, but, 
if anybody's looked at our our um, our Insta page recently, Matt was on a bomb um, recently. Uh, not Matt Granger, but Matt Davies. Uh, just a still shot on on the page, um, but it's a it's a bomb wave, and uh, he was on a uh, the six eighty. Oh my goodness! Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Holy crap! Um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the area size of it of the 680 is. Um, but he's on a the 680 with the ultra short, um, ultra short fuselage and 90 centimeter uh, mast, uh, and the tail wing is the 400. So 680 um, front wing, 400 back wing. Uh, ultra short fuselage and 90 uh, 90 centimeter mast. That's what we use. Uh, I don't have a 90 centimeter mast. I've got the 75 is my longest, but uh, the uh, and that's the one I generally use. But I've got the rest of the setup is pretty much the same. I use that setup anything over what you would traditionally call uh, four somewhere in the four to five foot range, and it's it's always hard to. To, to gauge size, I find, when you're foiling, not just because you're up above the wave and you're not, you know, looking at it from the standard angles, but because a lot of the waves, as you would know, that we search out for when we're foiling, half the time they're not breaking. Right. But, uh, you know, it might be eight foot of swell, but it's, it's not breaking. So what do, you, what do you call that as far as size? But, uh, yeah, in, in what, what we would normally call, say, four to five foot, anything over that, I'll be on the 680 front wing and I'll choose between the 440 back wing and a 400 back wing. Um, and anything smaller, I'll be on the 750 front wing. I pretty much only use the ultra-short fuselage now. Um, and the 750 front wing, I find, is really good in in uh, across the board. Um, which brings us back to to my issue, which is opposite to most guys' issues. The, the 75 is the biggest wing I've, I've got, um, and I've tried bigger wings. Um, and in fact. Uh, early on, I I was when I was trying to work out what what uh, foil I would get. I I tried the like from Go Foil. I tried the Nalu, the Kai, the um, uh, what's that next one? The Iwa. The Iwa, yeah. Uh, and then the Malika. I tried all of those, um, and the Nalu was the only one I could ride. <laughs> And everybody says that's a tiny little wing. And I'm a, like I said, 110 kilo guy. So I'm really big in comparison to that wing. But I just found the other wings would just be flying out of the water. And obviously, part of it was skill sets at that time um, weren't as good as maybe they are now. But uh, I've, I've, because I've always been going a lot faster than most you know, most guys will get to uh, when they're prone foiling or even sup foiling. I've had the luxury of being able to have a wing that will turn a little better um, and, and but the speeds that I get on that, um, I, I haven't developed as well as you, for example, 
the all the the pumping and I can get two for ones. I've had one. I've had one three for one in my life, but then I wouldn't call it a proper three for one. Um, it was more of a, you know, it wasn't a cut off and then go straight out and then and then get another one and go straight out. It was more of a cut off one, pump, you know, sort of diagonally across to get another one and then get off that one and diagonally across to get the next one. But uh, yeah, so. My my pumping skills aren't as good as I'd like them to be, and I've got a feeling that's because my foils are so small in comparison to my size. But whenever I get onto a bigger foil, I then have um, problems with uh, with uh, breaching. So obviously, it's it's my lack of technique um, in respect to prone foiling, which at this stage um, is isn't something that I've had that much experience in comparison to my toe foiling. How much are you prone foiling and how hard is it? I think James actually on his second show made a joke that it's going to be really hard for you guys to want to prone foil because you're crushing it on, on the toe foil and having so much fun that there's not a lot of incentive to, to really dial in uh, prone foiling. How much time do you spend on it now? Well, I've, I've started to get um, to want to get good at it only because um, – just last summer we just we were all as a group just all committed to you know we we were having two sessions a day and that's around work you know i'm a teacher <laughs> so i'm a teacher so i work for six hours a day but we would have two sessions a day we'd get up and five o'clock in the morning go for a two-hour session and then meet back after after work and have another session so um but uh as the froth levels have, have gone down a little bit and just because of, you know, life and every life, the universe and everything. But say, for example, at the moment, um, Tom's in France, Matt, uh, Matty Granger's the surf um, lifeguard or whatever they call them at, uh, at Macaroni's and the Mentorwise. Um, um, James is in Bali. And so, you know, people are, are here, there, and everywhere. And so, uh, without uh, without my, to- my foil buddies, I, I've got to teach <laughs> throwing. Um, so, yeah. How's it going? Have- how's the transition been from towing to, to prone? Obviously, you're an incredibly high level surfer. Um, what if what, what 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 advice would you give to high level surfers who are coming in to prone foiling? Um, what if, well, know. with the trouble I'm having with prone foiling, I'd be saying that never do it. <laughs> but uh, no, seriously. Um, the well, the problem I'm having with prone foiling um, was that was getting the board and getting the setup right because um, I think, and and I don't know if it's just me or if other guys have the problem as well. Of of trying to balance the board, and I heard that um, the the bit that you had with uh, Mr. KD Maui, yeah, um, uh, where he was talking about balancing your board, and uh, so far I haven't haven't quite got the knack of 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 balancing where the mask goes in relation to the board, and I've I've had three prone foil boards, um, the first one. Took me a while, but I finally got the mask position, 
Um, it was, uh, do you know um, Terry Fitzgerald, Hot Buttered Surfboards? Uh, I've heard of them. Yeah. Uh, okay, Terry Fitzgerald, have you heard of Morning of the Earth? No. Oh, you haven't heard of Morning of the Earth. It's one of the classic um, the classic early um, early films about Bali. No, I'll uh, check it out. I mean, maybe I watched it a long time ago, but it doesn't yeah, come yeah, to it's, mind. It's an old movie. It would have, it would have been done in 1974 or something. But uh, Terry Fitzgerald was the star of that, um, or one of the stars of that, and he... If you talk to Terry, he won he won the um, won the world title in about 1974 or something, before it was officially. Um, to do so, he won the Smirnoff or something. Um, so it was a one-off event um, in Hawaii, but uh, they used to call him the Sultan of Speed. But anyway, Terry's got a, uh, a uh, Terry sponsored me when I was on the tour, and uh, he was nice enough to to give me. A foil board that he made, and um, and it was a five six. It was the last. He, he just he had ten protos that he had, and I he didn't even know that I was doing. And I rang him out of something about something else, and I was just chatting to him. I said, oh, "I've gotten into foiling." He said, "Oh, really? I've just got some um, some protos here. Do you want to give it a go?" And so gave me the last one he had, which was five six, um, which in my head was too big because I was looking at everybody and and. Um, on their really short ones and anyway it took me a while but i finally got the the mast in the right spot and i got it going okay but then i ran in ran aground and pulled the ripped the 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 plugs uh the boxes out and uh and so i went back to him and i went oh and he said yeah well, i'll give you another one and i said oh can i get the five two which is the next model down and he said, yeah, but I, I, he said, I reckon you should stay with the bigger one. And I went, no, no, I want the smaller one, you know, I was thinking I was ripping. And uh, so I got the smaller one and I could paddle into the waves okay. But one thing that nobody seems to have mentioned, and like I said, I, I don't know if I'm just alone in this, but I found that the with the balance of the board, when I was popping up, my foot front foot was landing too far back. Yep. And when, like, it wasn't a, an, an issue with how well the board paddled. It was 42 litres, and I could paddle it onto the waves okay. But my foot would land too far back by about the width of my foot. So my foot should have been landing, you know, you know, let's say it was four inches in front of where it was landing. And to get it to do that, I would need to, as I was paddling, I would need to move myself forward on the board but then what that would do is like when you're stopping to move yourself forward on the board as you you know you're gliding into the wave uh, because by definition it's a it doesn't have that much planing surface area it slows down to the point where you either miss the wave or you end up into the steep part of the wave which as we all know that's a difficult place to take off yep um and so that was really doing my head in and i was uh, i tried to move the 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 mast further back um, to alleviate that problem, and ended up running out of uh, running out of of um, of uh, box length. Yep. And then somebody said, "Oh, well, you know, use some washers and stuff uh, to adjust the mast angle," uh, which I did. But then I didn't like the feel Wait of how slow that made the board go. Right. 
when I was up. So I just had uh, something very similar to that happen here. We It's been really small for a long time. And the last uh, surf trip I went on was, was Costa Rica, and I had built a, a 410 prototype. Um, I shape boards and a portal is that surf the designs. With the, with the really um, cut, off, uh, cut off sort of tail, or is no. that the white? It's the white one. And that board's okay. awesome. Like that board is is so far my favorite foil board that I've ridden. Um, it looks but I, good. good plan shaping of it. Yeah, it's 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 beautiful. It um, but I blew the boxes out down there. But while I was down there, I was uh, I was surfing a pretty big surf on it relative to what I normally surf. You know, head high, maybe a little bit overhead, and having no problems paddling in on the four ten, and then pumping down there, I think I just loosened the boxes. It was a prototype. I didn't have time to do the high density insert. Um, or I didn't have a stringer blank to do it with either. So it just got loose on me and I couldn't pump anymore. So now that board's, you know, kind of just toast at this point. Um, (laughs) and when I came back, I started riding, you know, the first board that I ever shaped the foil, which is what I call it the guitar pick. It's that super ugly, really wide tailboard it's a four three and the one that looks like you've just cut the tail off the board yeah yeah what what happened was uh, i i had a a longboard sup blank that i was shaping for somebody come from marco and it was it was damaged pretty bad so i just chopped off the uh the nose of it and shaped that out of it because that was the good part of the blank left um but the other day we actually had a, a pretty decent little swell it was you know three feet maybe four you know this is florida surf so it was like uh, chest high, solid chest high, maybe a head high set. And I wanted to ride that board because I've been riding that board with the, the 210 unifoil and that setup is just dreamy because basically once I'm up, I can just connect waves. And so we went to this spot that's got these little wedges and I was thinking, I'm just going to chip in on one of these and I'm just going to be cruising up and down the beach. And it was crazy because in small surf, which I had been surfing on that little four or three, there's no issue with me popping up. I mean, I get really far forward. My face is almost like looking down at water. It's like over the nose completely. But I can pop up and, and it's okay. But um, with the with more power, as I was paddling in, I wasn't able to hold the lift down to get my foot yeah. right. So exactly the same thing that you were saying is happening. So my foot's landing shallow. And man, yeah. I had some of my worst wipeouts uh, oh. that I've ever had because... I'm like, I'm landing shallow and I'm in a steep section. I can't get enough weight forward. And now all of a sudden I'm breaching in the pocket and the whole thing's just going, going super bad on me. Yes. So well, that's, uh, the, that's the story of my prawn, my prawn life at the moment. <laughs> but, but I'll tell you what. So I, um, I'm friends with, uh, with Billy from F1 and F1 does some stuff with our, with our camp down in, in Costa Rica. And I just ordered um, their 5.0 and it came yesterday. And I went out and I rode that. It was still, you know, waist, chest high. Man, the difference between paddling in a 4.3 and a 5.0 is exponential. It is so easy yeah. to paddle in on a 5. Well, for me, for my weight and whatnot, it is so much easier for me to paddle in on a 5.0. Now, when I'm up and surfing it, I'm like, man, I wish I could shave off a couple of inches. But, you yeah. know, I think you're going to have to have a, a quiver of, of foils and you're going to have to have a quiver of boards to fit different conditions, you know, and I it's think, a freaking nightmare, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's just, terrible. It's the money pit. <laughs> I need another job, man. <laughs> it's the full money pit. Yep. They reckon they reckon owning a boat's bad. Getting into foilings a shocker. <laughs> you know, what's funny is that I bought the boat set up to do the tow foiling, which wasn't that much money. I mean, it was like you know, 
total all in of what uh, just under four grand U.S. for yeah. my boat and the motor and the whole thing. I definitely have way more money than that in my foils and boards. <laughs> you know, yeah. the boat's the cheap part. So the um, yeah, I've I've uh, I've gone back to my mate at the uh, at uh, Belmore um, stand up paddle and. He's going to let me ride his uh, uh, 900 high aspect, um, which I'm looking forward to. I've heard all that. the all the talk about the high aspect wings. Yep. Who makes the 900? One, is that an access? Yeah, it's a, they've got two high aspect wings. One's 900 and one's 1,000. Okay. Um, and one of the things that... Uh, one of my other friends was saying that he, what he likes about the, um, the high aspect wings when he's prone paddling is that um, he finds that although I've heard people talk about the fact that um, they're a little twitchier and, um, and obviously they're, they're, um, uh, their low end speed is higher than a normal foil, um, he was saying what he liked about it was that it makes it a lot easier to pop up because it's not jumping out of the water. No, not at all. It's it's easier for so, sure. So he's he said he's he's jumping up really early, really easy because it's more like you know popping up on a normal surfboard. Yep. And then he's got to kick it up, and then once he kicks it up, you know it just goes forever. Yep. Um, but that he was saying that 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 um, that's why he really likes the uh, the high aspect when he's prone foiling. Yep, I'd agree with that. I feel like the the feeling of popping up on a high aspect wing is more like taking off in an airplane where, you know, you need that long runway, you need to get your speed up and then you come up. And then once you come up, you have instant acceleration on tap. You know, it's really yeah. easy to stay up where the lower aspect stuff, as you're paddling in, you're starting to get all that pressure right away. Um, yeah. The, the difference though is that when it's really weak here, it's actually harder for me it's easier to ride the, the, the unifoil 210 high aspect wing. It is harder for me to get it up. So if I take out like the NP or like the cloud wing, um, you can actually just barely get in any speed at all. And then I can pump those up from like almost nothing. Yeah. And then I'm, I'm up and flying, but then it's harder to stay up uh, once you're up. So the, I know that you had some, the cloud nine ones. Did you have the S series or the X series? So my son has the S24, and I have the X28 uh, and 32. So I've ridden the S24 because yep. that's, that's what Tom's got. Mm -hmm. um, and from what I understand, when he gets back from France, he's going to have the full set of, of the X series. Killer. Gonna love um, it. And, and so I'm looking forward to having having a go – at at those but uh I've, I've got a little bit of a problem with the way tom sets his up um which uh uh just because like tom being tom he wants to jam as hard a turn as he can and so at the moment with the with the x uh, s series one that he's got he's actually um got he doesn't use the front hole on his rear wing uh -huh. he just he screws it in, um, screws the 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 back um, of the back of the two holes of the wing into the very forward hole in the um, in the uh, yep. in the fuselage, 
and then he sticks some stuff. I don't know what it is he sticks it there, but uh, he doesn't have one in the front foil, which, from my understanding, they've got uh, extra holes in the X series, so he'll be able to move it further forward. Does um, does he shim it? Uh, is he putting a shim uh, in there uh, for extra lift? No, nah. he's not. Uh, but I, I found that that um, that when I tried his board, there's two things. I tried the other day. I tried a um, I tried the same um, setup that uh, Mister uh, Mister Bennett's has. Um, so I used the board that he's riding, the JS. Yep. Um, and and the um, M- MFC, MFC or MCF. I always get those MFC, confused. Yeah. MFC and the MFC um, uh, foil, and it felt really nice as far as uh, just its feeling uh, in the water. But for me, I've discovered if you look at what I do or where, well, first of all, I've looked at my feet and my my foot, my back foot's in front of the mast mm-hmm. rather than behind it. Yep. Um, number one and number two, my mast on my toe foil board is eight centimeters from the tail. So when I was writing the the setup the other day and and Tom set up as well, I've discovered that, and maybe it's just the way I've got myself set up at the moment, and I and maybe I I need to try a few different setups as far as where I put my mast and stuff, but. When I get on a board with the where where the mast is further forward, I I don't like the feeling of the extra yaw that you get. Mm-hmm. It it just it just seems to be whoa, whoa, whoa <laughs> out of control, um, and so maybe maybe that's just something that I need to get used to, um, because when you know when I've with the way I've got it set up, what what I like about it is that it's it's super. Um, Super directional, yep. and, and I get that much acceleration out of my turn, um, and really get my speed. Um, I've, when I've been looking at guys, they've got a shorter arc um, when their mast is further further forward, um, and they get a little bit of, of yaw in their turn, which, uh, as I said, might be a good thing. But at the moment, in just just riding a guy, you know, the board for a couple of waves, it's like, oh, don't like that. Yeah, it takes a little while to switch to switch between the two. You know, I, I um I'm looking forward to trying that MFC setup. I like the way that that Adams got his his wing position too. Like if you watch the way that he's surfing, um he is using the foil much more in a shortboard surfing way than anybody else right now. The way he, the board is connecting to the water, um, the way he's He's hitting the foam. Uh, he's pretty much on his own right now and doing that it, and staying really low as well. A lot of control over the board, a lot of rail grabbing involved because some of those maneuvers are super sketchy and dangerous. But it seems like through holding the rail, he's able to control the turbulence. Um, and I'm really interested at some point maybe to even try that, to try that MSC wing to feel how that felt. How did that wing feel to you relative to the Axis stuff or any of the other foils that you've ridden? Well, the what I liked about the look of it and everything is it's such a low profile, um, and so obviously that's going to have less drag. 
Um, and so, and when you first get up on it, um, it just was super smooth and, and, and just felt the, certainly had less, uh, just more pickup. And while I was watching, um, I was doing it with a guy called Perth Standerlick. I don't know if you've heard of Perth, but he's a Bondi, a Bondi boy. And, uh, he just hit me up on Facebook and on, on Instagram, sorry, and said, "Hey, you know, like what you guys are doing. If, if you could, um, if you could let me know where I should go if I'm over on the north side there, to um, to go foiling." I said, "Hey, if you're over here, hit me up. I'll take you out for a tow." And uh, he uh, he called me the other week, and so that last weekend, and that's he's the one that I said that uh, has the setup the same as 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 Adam, and I had a quick go of it. Um, and yeah, it feels, feels super smooth, but I was sketched out by the, by how yory it was. Um, so I wasn't able to, on a wave, I wasn't able to get it going as well as I would like. Um, and, uh, uh, I didn't have enough time, obviously it would take a session for me to get used to it, but it felt like, it felt like if you, if you, if you got it going it it'd go really nicely. But I think back to Adam, what he's doing, you know what I think one of his secrets is? He's got a longer board. Yeah. And I don't know what the size of it is. It's probably four six, four eight, or something around there. It might be but four, it's a lot long. Four eight, four ten. I it, it yeah. definitely is. I can look it up real quick, but it definitely is longer than what most it's folks a lot are riding. Longer than what everybody else seems to be riding. And so I think what that enables him to do, and it's the same as with the sup guys. You watch uh, the sup guys and, and what they're able to do off the phone in comparison to most of the prone guys, um, I think is all about the fact that they can actually use the board off the foam rather than the foil off the foam. Yep. No, I agree. And, uh, it's a 4.8 according to uh, his August 16th post on Instagram. Right, that yeah. He's right. No, yeah, 4.8, Black Eagle, JS. Yeah. board looks sick. It looks super similar to the F1 that I just got that I'm testing that I love. Um, you know, there's not a lot of, a lot of folks are, you know, including, you know, my designs and foiling, putting in a lot of time into, you know, how's the board going to bounce off the water and, and maybe putting in some chines or some concaves. I wonder how much all that stuff is relevant. I mean, it might just be like, you just need some entry rocker, you need some tail rocker, a lot of flat in the middle and, and pretty narrow. And that's, that's all you really need. I don't know. I think a lot of people would argue that point, but if you look what he's doing, that's some of the most dynamic surfing that we're seeing utilizing the board more than anybody else and that board I don't, you've seen the board it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of um like new tech designed oh, into that shape the is there board, I, i'm not sure that the board that i rode was the eagle okay. i think it was the before that um but the whichever um it was just a flat bottom yep pretty much um it pretty much had surfboard rails with the exception of instead of the uh, with a normal a normal um, uh, board where you've got the profile where you've got um, uh, you know you've got an edge on the bottom and then you've got um, the roll off the deck it comes off it's got a slight chine underneath yeah but it, it it's sort of like it's an upside down rail if you understand what I mean. Yeah. But instead of it being rounded at the bottom, it comes to a, to a, a, a slight chime. Yep. Um, and so, and the bottom's flat and, uh, you know, there's 
well, I only had a quick look at it. There didn't appear to be much concave. There might be, a, you know, a, a very slight one. Um, and But it just, yeah, it certainly had nice feel and nice balance. Yeah. You know, as I get better at pumping, the what stands out to me is that I think the majority of your power in a pump comes from the inflection at the very the top of your pump and at the bottom of your pump when it when the board goes from like a positive angle to a negative angle. And yep. it seems like swing weight is the most important piece of that puzzle. So I think that we're just going to see boards going really light, maybe more than anything else right now. Be, I'm going to get some some board designers on here. We're going to have some of these conversations, maybe argue some of these points. I don't really have a, a stance in this right now. I'm just I'm just kind of like going with what I'm feeling. But the swing weight is the most important. And maybe the, um, and I also ride sup foils too. And a lot of times, especially with the 210, it's more efficient to pump that without paddling than it is to use, to use the paddle, uh, which is yeah. an interesting feeling. So it's, and, and so when I'm pumping that without the paddle versus pumping the 4.3 with the same wing, because I ride that same wing on both, I get to feel how much that swing weight is affecting the pump. And it's massive. Yeah. I mean, the speed difference is, is is pretty big between the two and the energy output is pretty big. So that makes me argue for swing weight. I don't know if, you know, you have the same, um, let's just think of this through, if you have the same size um, with just more weight versus less weight longer, you know, then you get into some some questions about aerodynamics and how much the wind is pushing on it. I know that I really feel, in a bigger board, especially in the stand-up, in an offshore wind, connection turns are super hard. You're pumping back out. You go to make that turn. The stand-up wants to get held up. Um, yeah. The little board with the little nose doesn't get held up as much. So that turns a lot easier. Um, yeah. When you when you're when you're towing, and you've used bigger and smaller boards, how much is the wind affecting you? Do you notice it? Um, certainly, strong offshores make it difficult. Um, you you. Well, it certainly makes it difficult when it's bigger because you end up in the steeper parts of the wave that you don't necessarily want to be in because <laughs> uh, it holds yourself, it holds you up until, you know, obviously gravity says, nah, you're going down here and it's like, I don't really want to go down here anymore, which brings up a funny story. Uh, Matt Granger uh, is one of the Lost Boys and He's been known around these parts. He's the the big wave guru of of uh, our area, and it doesn't matter how big it is. He's out there and he's, and he's charging. And he's got a, a partner whose name is the captain. Uh, and uh, so it's Matt and the captain, and they're always out there when it's, it's huge. And about two months into our tow foiling um, experience. The captain hasn't really been into it, and so he's he's on the sidelines and and Matt's doing it um, with us as far as the foiling caper. The captain's not doing it, and um, anyway, so I was out with Matt and it was four foot, maybe head high, and um, I went to tow him into this wave and he said, "No, no, it's too big," <laughs> and and. After the session, I said to him, has the captain ever heard those words come out of your mouth in the 20 years you've been toe surfing? And he said, never. 
<laughs> so he's been out there at 30 plus feet on these massive bombs. He's towed in Hawaii with the boys at, you know, phantoms and all that sort of stuff at mega size and yet four foot on the foil. It's too big. <laughs> so, yeah, the, uh, the foil certainly doesn't make a difference when it's bigger. You, you just, that speed that you're going. I was oh, in that recent swell where you looked at that bomb that Matt Davies was on. Yeah. Uh, the speeds we were getting up to in that in that day was just mind blowing. I, I wish I wish I had a watch that told me because I reckon I was going. <laughs> I was going fast. Have you gone fast enough to where you feel the foil start to cavitate because of the speed, not because of turbulence or chop? Yeah. 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 What does that feel like? Um, well, not good to be honest, because obviously you're going pretty fast. And I don't know how fast that is, but I would suggest it's probably in the 40 to 45 K range. Like it feels faster, but I'm, I think that's about the range you're going. And, um, so in your speak, that's going to be say 25, between 25 and 30 miles an hour. And, um, the the board starts wobbling, um, even though it should, you know it's just obviously the foil's reached its maximum speed and uh, starts to get into where you were talking with Cliff the other day, where it can't you know it, it can't go faster than than it's going uh, because it's reached its its maximum speed and and it's it's not it's now no longer as, um, you know, the, the momentum of the foil is now no longer as constant as it, as it was before, and you, you pretty much eventually breach. Yeah. There's, a, uh, there's some videos online. I don't remember how I found them. I was searching through all sorts of stuff um, on foil, hydro, or, uh, hy yeah, hydrodynamics, and, and they have – it's old school. It's like from the 60s, I believe, a video series – that shows different foils underwater at different speeds and it shows how cavitation starts and how it basically you know bubbles um just start over the leading edge of the wing and it yep. just brings in turbulence it, it's fascinating to watch if if you know if there's other foil nerds out there you guys should search out those videos and one of the most interesting things is that this um almost wedge um so we think about foil wings as being kind of like an airplane wing looking thing, but at speed, the most efficient, according to this, you know, whatever video it was, NASA or something. Um, and it shows this wedge foil where it actually looks like, um, like a triangle almost with, you know, angles, very straight angles, uh, as the corners. And that, that holds up, um, the best under incredible speed, uh, because you create it basically the, 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 the water flow, um, the way that it, I don't, I can't articulate this very well, but, um, it creates its own boundary layer and, uh, the flows can, can su sustain. So I wonder if we're going to start seeing some like really cool high speed foils for guys, uh, towing, uh, you know, jaws or whatever they're going to be towing. What's, uh, what's your limit as far as what you want to foil? So how, how big? 
Well, it all depends on on the equipment, to be honest. Because at the moment, as I said, in that recent swell we had, in my mind, my foil, I'm being held back by by my by my wings. And so it's all well and good to catch a wave that's triple overhead. Um, and it's kind of fun, except that you're maxed out on the foil. And, and so rather than surfing it, you're surviving. And so I've gotten to the stage where, okay, I've, I've caught the big wave. I know where my limits and my foil, the current foil that I've got are. So I'd actually rather go on those days, rather than search out the biggest waves, I, I'll go to another part of the reef and, and get a wave where I can surf. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Because um, I've, 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 I've reached the end of my current equipment. And like I said, we've been talking to Adrian from Axis about uh, the need for another wing. Uh, he suggested that we, at the moment, that we try the um, the kite wing, the 600 kite wing. Um, but to do that, we've got to buy um, the 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 fuselage. It needs a different fuselage. Um, so I, I need more equipment. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you. I feel like you guys should be sponsored by Axis. Um, so hopefully they'll hook it get, up for you. <laughs> we get a little bit of a deal, but um, which is great. Um, but uh, yeah, not enough for me to just be. <laughs> Just be, uh, yeah, yeah, give us another one. Um, how's, uh, we're talking a little bit about your crew there um, that you tow with. How good has James gotten lately? His last videos have been mental. Oh, the James is a phenom. Um, the, what, what happened um, and the way I met James uh, and the way I got involved with Belmont Surf and Paddle was that um, James got together with Bel um, this local um, uh, shop that sells foils. Uh, they got together and held a uh, held a uh, you know a night on uh, you know let's get people in, interested in foiling and let's go. And it was when we. Um, my, tow, uh, my then tow partner, Leon, and I had literally just started. And so we went down there and, uh, and um, you know, I met James and, he, and he, I said, oh, yeah, we tow for And he said, oh, I'd really like to try that. And I said, hey, mate, <laughs> come on out, you know. Um, if, you, if you want, we'll take you out. And so he took us up on that offer and – Suddenly was one of the lost boys. <laughs> was one of the lost boys, but um, the trajectory that James has gone on from then, and as I said, we we started this. That he probably um, he probably came aboard in about November December last year, uh, so just before Christmas, um, and um, he, he's like his skill level has just skyrocketed and watching him do it um, and I'll, I'll put it down to the foil 
I mean, to the to the jet ski, because the amount of time and like I said, you know, if you can have a two hour session and get be getting sixty waves between three guys, yep. Um, just the amount of time on the on on a wave um, is just exponentially greater than it ever would be if you're paddling, even for somebody like James who can. The other day, James went for a um, a downwinder from um, from Manly to Palm Beach. It was 24, 24 kilometres, and I know in downwinding world that's probably not the biggest <laughs> biggest foil ever. But uh, he just um, he he's just you know he's such a waterman, but his his skill levels has been great to watch just from, you know, from where we were. Even even when we first did it, um, he, when, he, when he first came aboard and started towing with us, his skill level within a month just leapfrogged. And he, and he went from a high level. Like he was doing it for over two – he'd been doing it for over two years um, when he met us. Um, and, like, I reckon – since then, in the last eight or nine months, whatever it's been, he's gotten at least twice as good. And and it's just it's a pleasure to sit on the ski and watch what he can do because what he's doing is just absolutely. The other day, um, and I'm yet, I'm um, there's a lot of things going on for me at the moment. I'm having to do a couple of uh, units of extra work at university to uh, get up to speed for my teaching degree. Um, I'm a teacher, and so I'm also doing uni stuff. But I've got some some um, some footage that I'm yet to uh, to put out that I that uh, will show um, just some phenomenal stuff that James was doing the other day. He's gotten to the stage where he's he's really surfing a, a wave like it's like he's on a shortboard, and he's really putting himself behind the section and so i was i was saying to him i was saying to him after the session the other day i, I said mate it's so good going out with you because i thought i was getting good and i just watched you and went nah you got nothing <laughs> you've got nothing um you know there's so much more to learn and, and which is great you know you can he's he's just motivates you to go to go to that next level and when you know when you're getting in the water with somebody who's that far ahead of you um, and you're able to watch. I mean, um, it, it's, it just ups your learning capacity and speed because you can see what's possible um, and, and not only see what's possible but you can see how it's possible, which then enables you if you've got, um, if you've got observation skills that you can turn into um, – into performance, um, then you can start emulating it. But uh, when watching what James is doing now, he's really getting himself behind the section. So rather than surfing out in front of it, which you tend to do on a foil because, you know, you're trying to avoid the steepest, most powerful part of the wave, he's turning back and going behind the section and then coming at it like you would a shortboard. And when he's coming off the top, um, he's grabbing his rail and doing what I would call a vertical cutback. So, you know, he's doing that top turn where his arc 
is going in the arc of the cutback instead of it being horizontal is vertical and he's grabbing rail and just coming bringing it down at such a speed it's just it it really is something to watch that's nuts i um i agree 100 percent with your whole thought there on just the bar continuing to move i've been breaking down you know some of these i mean i've had these small waves on tap and and breaking down a lot of the guys who are the first videos of folks connecting and the turns that they're doing to connect and the whole thing and i I was feeling pretty pretty good about myself a couple of days ago, and then Kane drops this video where his connections are are like two two seventy full rail wraparounds. I, there's not even I don't know how you describe it, but just 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 this insane turn to connect a wave to a wave, and it's like, well, all right, the work continues. <laughs> you know, it's, it's fun though, man. It just it keeps you excited. So good. The other thing I like about about this community of boilers is um, the the accessibility of, of everybody and the fact that everybody's, rather than going, you know, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm riding and I'm not going to tell any, you know, I'm going to keep my little secrets. Everybody's going, yeah, this is what I'm on, this is what I'm doing. And, you know, if you're with Instagram these days, you in, instant message people and, and, and like the other week, it's a while ago now, but I had a big long conversation with Miso Fernanda, and as far as I'm concerned, he's the king. It's ridiculous. And and it's like it, it'd got, be like it'd uh, be like talking to you know just getting on Insta and talking to John John. Right. <laughs> he's he's coming happen. on the show. I can't wait. It'll be in John the next John couple of weeks. Or Miso. Miso. Oh, yeah. that'll be great. But you yeah. know what I mean? Like you can you can talk to the. The, the people who are the best, you know, you can, and 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 they're stoked to talk to you. Yep. And and it's it's a really really good and vibrant um, and giving community at the moment. I don't know if it'll continue that way. Obviously, you know, it's fairly relatively small, and maybe when it gets bigger, it'll get like everything else, where where the, the best people of the sport are, 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 are that sought after that they need to protect themselves a little. But at the moment, it's great because you can just talk to. To, to people and they'll talk back. It's wonderful. Yeah. I think everybody's so stoked and just frothing on the sport right now that anything that's going to help anybody get better, they're stoked on because as, as you're getting better, it's just more fun. Um, and you know what the other good thing about foiling is? What's that? The beauty, the beauty of it is that as opposed to surfing where, you know, it's one way per surfer. That's the way it is. With a foil, there's no wake. You can have ten waves on, just provided that you don't hit each other. <laughs> you can have two or three or four guys all enjoying one wave. Yep. And and they're shit ass waves. You're looking for crap waves. So <laughs> so all of a sudden, there's not this competitive thing between people where you know you have to get the best wave to 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 you know to do the best turn to have the best time. It's like I'll have this crap wave over there. You can have that crap wave over here, or we'll both catch the same crap wave together, and eat, and we can all have the best time in the history of the world. <laughs> that's a that's an excellent way to put that. There's no scarcity, you know. Yeah. yeah. There's no scarcity. I'm looking out back right now. It's onshore at probably 10 to 15 miles an hour. It's going to be tops two, maybe three feet, and it's going to be all time. Yeah, it'll be the best ever. 
it, it's gonna be it's gonna be the best ever. I'll probably do you know one of my best turns of something today. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what a beautiful never, thing, man. What a beautiful uh, thing. You know, like, such so, a rant. Someone was like, I've got a bunch of friends like boiling and, and, uh, you know, starting like a little tribe here in Florida, which is awesome. And everybody is as stoked as they've ever been. Like I'm getting phone calls from my buddies who I'm, you know, they're just getting into it now. They're getting their best rides and they're calling me like, this is the most fun I've ever had. It's like, I can't even believe I was surfing today. I haven't surfed a day like this in two years. And I just had the most fun I've ever had. Yeah. (laughs) And it was was shootouts. It was, yeah, terrible. It's amazing, man. All right. Well, I know it's su- it's super late for you, Paul. I'll, I'll let you I'll let you run, and we'll do this again, though. Um, it'd be great to get you know more of your crew on the show, um, and I'm just yeah, we'll super try, grateful. We'll, we'll try and get a few of the boys together. I think uh, I think uh, one of the, the some of the feedback that we get that that uh, uh, is just the people like the the ant, <laughs> the stoke that we that we bring to the the caper and. Uh, when I was first putting the videos out, I was taking out the 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 you know the our our banter uh, and just putting music to it. But I found well, it's easier not to bother with the music because I had a few of them that were you know oh, you can't have that because of the music with as far as uh, um, you know um, the rights or whatever license, licensing yeah. agreements and stuff. And uh, and so then I stopped bothering, and people are liking the froth. And and that's uh, that's that's what you know. The whole thing's all about the froth. I love it. It's awesome. Well, cool, man. Um, we'll circle up again soon. Thank you for all your time. What do you want to uh, leave folks with? Follow Lost Boys Foil Club on Instagram. You probably already do. Um, parting words, Paul. Uh, well, I don't know. Just keep foiling. Have have the time of your life and do the best cutback you've ever done on a one foot wave. never grow up (laughs) folks thank you for tuning in uh, to this progression project foiling series episode Uh, if you haven't gone back and listened to some of the first episodes on this podcast done a few years ago before life kind of ripped the carpet out from under us for a few years I was exploring the learning process and those would be relevant if you are in this whole foil brained trying to get better as fast as possible um those episodes are anders erickson he is the um researcher who wrote the book peak which the ten thousand hour rule was based on uh josh waitskin who uh, is a good friend of mine but also wrote the art of learning and has spent a lot of time in the surf world now after being a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt and world champion in Tai Chi push hands. And uh, Josh and I don't discuss foiling, it's before we started foiling, but we discuss uh, his journey through paddle surfing, some adventures that we had in the sport. And uh, Garrett Dutton, G-Love, G talks about his, you know, path through learning music, guitar, and then also how he stays motivated and focused now so many years into it. I think that those would be relevant, uh, not in foiling, but in the journey if you're undertaking this uh, mission to learn foiling. So enjoy those. Hit me with any suggestions on upcoming guests, show ideas. And yeah, appreciate you guys tuning in. Cheers. Cheers.